Let's do it, man. Let's do it. <laughs> Just make sure. Yeah, we're good. All right. And we are live in three, two, one. Hello and welcome to another, another episode of Guide to the Grind. My name is Jeff Eady. Joining me today, as always, one of Canada's top mortgage brokers, one of my best friends, and the touchdown to my forward past, Mr. Jonathan Tilger. Jonathan, how are you today? Well, feeling inspired with a football reference. That's incredible. <laughs> and and all, all, always excited to be on here. Always excited, especially we got uh, another exciting guest on here. So looking forward to it. Yes, fantastic. Just a quick minute before that. We go live every single Tuesday, usually at 12. Sometimes we have to work around. And I thank our, uh, our guest today for working with our schedule. But uh, please drop a like, give a comment. We'll be monitoring that as we go through. We always like that's the best way to support the show uh, and, and let us know that you're you're listening. Uh, so today's guest is co-founder and partner at Wealth Without Wall Street, an online community that seeks to re-educate business owners and families on how money truly works. Wall Street is not just a name in New York, New York, um, not just a name in New York, New York that puts Americans' money at risk. Oh, in New York, New I get it now. It's there's two New Yorks. Wall Street is not just a street in New York, New York that puts Americans' money at risk, but is also a commonly taught mind set please welcome russ morgan russ how are you today jeff thank you so much i'm so sorry my introduction is so long and <laughs> so cumbersome right like we got to shorten that up like here's russ morgan he's from alabama he's going to exceed your expectations on what alabama's like that's that's what i'm hoping <laughs> like we just shorten it to that well, they obviously wrote the song about Alabama for a reason. So, um, Russ, you've got a lot of interesting things that you guys are doing, but I really want to dig in first and foremost, why wealth without Wall Street? Can you explain the nomenclature there for us? Yeah, totally. And I know in Canada, you guys have Bay Street, where Wall Street is our kind of financial district. And I actually started in that world. I was an investment advisor. I spent a lot of time helping people um, separate them from their money and and, and plan for the quote unquote <laughs> retirement. <laughs> and I, I saw all the things I became what's uh, in our world, a, a certified financial planner, which is like this designation yep. that supposedly gives you all of uh, experience and insight into taxes and financial investments and insurance and all the things. Right. And thought, <laughs> man, I had the world, uh, you know, buy the jewels, if you will. And at the end of the day, whenever the markets crashed in 2007 and eight, I was sitting there, palms up to the skyline and had no idea why and didn't know why it was going to uh, not do it in the future. And nobody that I had looked to for advice up to that point could tell me uh, a reasonable answer. And when I kind of sought out this, okay, I, there has to be an alternative. What are all the alternatives? And when I started searching for it, I realized that what was taught by Wall Street is what main street hears right the advertising all of the models are built from advertising from wall street and i knew that really that was a model that made them a lot of money which is cool i'm a capitalist i'm good with that but at the end of the day like <laughs> we want to be financially free we don't want to wait till we're 65 we don't want to have to pay off all our debt in order for that to happen nor do we want to invest in things that we don't understand and don't trust and that to me created the model of wealth wealth wall street that's fantastic. So it's interesting. I love listening to people kind of try and sum up their life in three and a half minutes. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot to pick apart there. How did you end up? What, what was like, did you always want to grow up 
did I not see you want to be a pro ball, ball, baseball player at one point? Is that? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if that's a really original idea, Jeff, right? Like, <laughs> Hey, there's a kid, you know, <laughs> a boy and he wants to be a professional athlete. Like who doesn't. <laughs> right. So yeah, it, that's, that was my original dream. It lasted about, you know, 16 years. <laughs> it, 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 it didn't, you know, of course I had uh, physical limitations and, but also I had an injury. And so all that went to pass. No, I had no idea what I want to do. Like I, I have four kids right now. My oldest is 17, a year away from, you know, graduating high school. And I'm like, you don't know what you want to be. That's, just, that's a lie. You have no idea. I mean, <laughs> I, I changed my major four times in college. The reason I, I, I ended up with the degree I had, because it was the path of least resistance after my third junior year, you know, it's like, <laughs> this is, this is what I'm going to do here. And I didn't know, like I worked for a company for four years out of college and I realized I didn't want to do that anymore. And, you know, Hey, this idea of managing money, that seems glamorous. I've watched movies. That seems cool. They drive nice cars, live in fancy houses. I could do love, that. love boiler room. <laughs> yeah, right. Just, just what you're saying there sounds so much like my story too. Yeah. Going, yeah. When I got through, when I was in university, it came down to, yeah, I, my, my degrees in economics, but it came down to that was the path of least resistance just because, all right, I got these courses here completed. What do I need to get out of here as quick as possible? All right. That totally. seems the simplest route. <laughs> but, and, 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 at, and at the same time, just what you're saying about the people who, the, the ones who, the ones who I know who, they're doing exactly what they said they wanted to do in high school. They're pretty boring people. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. Hey, my, my business partner, this, you talk about think, like ideas of how we get uh, screwed up as kids. He originally wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. And I'm like, huh? I mean, he's a smart guy. It's like, why orthopedic surgery? It's like, I watched the movie that had an orthopedic surgeon in it. And it seemed like that guy was living a good life. And I'm like, wow, like that is, that is, you know, that's how we can get skewed an idea of what we want to do. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a path that led us down a road I never thought of. Like um, my business partner, he was in the mortgage business too, Jonathan. And, and I was teaching him concepts of ways to help his clients and, you know, not pay off their houses, which is the opposite of what most mortgage people teach. Right. And, and so I was showing him these ideas. He was coming and learning and he's like, Hey, I want to do what you're doing and, and you really suck at marketing. So let me come and help you. And because he wow, would ask is, me all these questions. Familiar, Jonathan. <laughs> he he didn't all sugarcoat at all, did he? Yeah. Like, no, he didn't. He was good. And, um, and we, we ultimately created the company and, and here's the thing, and, and I don't know if you guys have experienced this. I'm sure you have with the podcast. We started podcasting in 2017, and it was out of the thought of, hey, we have probably half, uh, like 500, 500 clients at that time, um, and we have ideas that are constantly coming across our desk, and we want to share these ideas with people, but we don't see them, right? We see maybe talk to them once a year at best. And why don't we create a podcast where we'll share these ideas with these 500 people and that way they get it in real time and can take action or do whatever they want to with the information. And all of a sudden, people started calling us from all over the country, even out of Canada as well, and saying, hey, how can I engage with what you're talking about? And that was a super surprise to us. It, it exploded our business. We, um, we doubled within about nine months. 
and went 100% virtual within 12 months. And it just, wow. it, it changed the way that we look at the world, but it also, it opened up avenues to have conversations with guys like you who are her sharing interesting ideas that we didn't have exposure to. And the power of podcasting is so cool. I'm uh, I'm going to say teach us Obi Wan Kenobi because we are definitely the you know three four people that are listening. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Every every time somebody tells me to listen to our podcast, I'm like, you're the one. Man, that's nice. <laughs> so excited. That's so awesome. No, you know what? We have some some incredible people that have reached out to us because of this, and we wouldn't have had the the opportunity to connect to them or um hear you know what's going on in their worlds without this so it's i'm pretty grateful for that and i do love the fact that people like you come on here and add huge value i will say that when we originally started we were more of a focused on the mortgage world and we started to open our 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 arms as uh, as it were as we we kept going and realized the mortgage world is great but there's guys out there that work with insurance that we know nothing about. Uh, there's guys out there that do self-storage and guys out there that do wholesaling and raw land. And it's a fascinating world once you get into it and realize that all the people that are in it aren't necessarily stuffy businessmen. And it's actually more of a kind of a run and gun entrepreneur that's refined uh, these places. So can you tell us a little bit, Russ, about what the idea behind Wealth Without Wall Street is? And I'll tell you the one thing that I really caught on to was um, your money growing in several different ways at the same time, yet you're still being able to use it to go on vacations and do stuff to your home and yeah. lend it out, this infinite banking idea. Do you want to can you break that down high level yeah, for us? Yeah, well, here, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the, the 25,000 foot view and then I'll pull it in a little bit, okay? And so- Wealth Without Wall Street is about, as I said before, helping people who want to be financially free. And the key word in there is want, by the way. And I think if you're listening to a podcast that's financial in nature, you you have some desire. There's something that you want to accomplish, but not everybody has accomplished what that thought is. They really don't know what they're doing and why they're doing it. And the why is so important. But we want to help people who want to become financially free get there faster. And well, there's many different ways that you can do that. For one, it's building a personal cash flow system. So we talk about a passive income operating system that we utilize every single day in our life that helps us take active income and turn it into passive income. And we want to accelerate that as fast as we possibly can. Well, in order to build passive income, though, you have to know who you are as an investor and you have to become a better investor. And most people really don't know what it is. They just listen to a podcast. They hear somebody talking about self-storage, talking about land flipping, talking about multifamily, whatever it is, and go, oh, they're doing well, must work for them, must work for me, right? But it's not that simple because we're not all built the same way. We don't see the world the same way. We don't have the same connections. We don't have the same resources. One of my mentors, when I first got into the financial field, this guy had accumulated 50 or 60 single family properties. And I thought that's the way to wealth. And so I went out and bought my first single family property. I knew it was going to have to wait a while because I put down to 20%. That's all I had at the time. You know, young guy, didn't have a whole lot of money. And it was producing a, a solid like $96 a month. I mean, I was so excited. You can hear the sarcasm in my voice, right? And, and three months in, when I get the Serpro call and, you know, the, the bill's $947 and now I've taken away the next seven months worth of, you know, uh, potential profits, I'm not that interested in it. And I think that that one property cost me 11 years of my life as it relates to passive income being greater than my monthly expenses because I didn't do anything else in the passive income space for 11 years. And that's wow. a true story. And it's sad because- 
people don't know who their investor DNA is. So when you don't match up with what you're investing in, you don't put a whole lot of resources in it. You don't put a whole lot of passion. But what I find is when people get super excited with that one thing, like they're driven by what they're investing in, now they go hard. And I see somebody like a guy, we have a dentist out of Utah, and he, he joined our passive income mastermind about eight months ago. And he had a solid vision of what he wanted to do, he wanted to get out of the dental world. He loved his business, but he didn't want that to be his life. And he was like, I don't know how to create more passive income than monthly expenses. So we went through this process with him. We helped him understand who his investor DNA was. And within four months, he sent me text messages saying, since being in the mastermind, I've done this. And it was 18 different things. And I was like, this dude is massive action, by the way, Jonathan. Like he's all about taking action. And now he sent me a, a message four months after that, just a couple of days ago, telling me, hey, guys, I just wanted you to know. And I know this isn't reflective of everybody we talked to, right? But this is something he told me. He said, I'm on my path to hitting $60,000 a month in passive. Just wow. three years ago, I was only making 30 k a month in my job. And he's like, it's just crazy. It's like the... The this is the saying we have in a lot of our groups is that when your goal behavior is the the average of everybody else's normal behavior, you know you're in the right room, and and so that's what we're looking for is to help people who have a big desire, a big goal, and we we connect them with those people, and there's resources that they can use. So one of those resources you were mentioning, Jeff, was the infinite banking concept, and I, I didn't know a whole lot about this when I was a certified financial planner. All I knew is that when somebody got on the stage, when I was in New Orleans, Louisiana, 2005, and the guy got up and he mentioned something about infinite banking, he said the word whole life insurance, my brain shut down, right? Because I was an investment <laughs> advisor. Like everybody in the world knows that's the worst place to put money. And I heard this guy speak every January at the same conference for about 15 minutes. And I would ask the same question. What is he talking about again? Whole life. Oh, yeah, I don't want that. And then it was until <laughs> January of 2009, where I'm at the same conference. This time it's in Orlando, Florida. And of course, I, <laughs> my arrival syndrome had fallen away because everything I knew at that point had kind of crumbled. And he got up on the stage, said the same thing. And I was like, where's the breakout room where they're going to go deeper on this? And I went and followed him and listened to his talk. And he said, I'm going to be selling my books out here at the table for anybody who's interested. It was the last day of the seminar, I went out there, bought one of his books. 85 pages. I wrote it on the flight home. I flip it over. This is crazy part, Jeff. I flip it over and it says Rocky Ridge Road, Birmingham, Alabama, right? I just said, that's where I'm from, Birmingham, Alabama. I literally seen this guy in four different states across the US over four years. And now I'm thinking this is an idea. And here this guy is in my backyard and he was a 75 year old economist. And I spent <laughs> the next 10 years before he passed literally learning from his uh, at his feet and, and just being able to pick his brain. And the big concept behind the infinite banking idea is that the number one obstacle keeping people from becoming financially free is lack of access to cash. Yeah. And, and I, I had already knew a little bit about that. That's why my business partner and I were business partners because I had been teaching him quit telling people to lock up all their money in their houses, keep access to cash. And, and so he started showing me other ideas of ways you can do that. And the concept was, I'll take this cash instead of put it in a bank account, which nobody does because everybody knows it's losing interest. And, you know, it's subject to all these creditor uh, access and all, all the things. 
So nobody puts money there, put it in this. It, it has all the safety and provisions given to the insurance industries, which really trump all of the tax laws that have been given to all these other qualified plans that we know today, because it goes back 200 years. And when they get there, they can use it. They can borrow against it. It can keep growing every single day. And so I started stacking all sorts of cash into these starting in 2009, not knowing what I was going to do with the money. And it took me a handful of years before I started to learn about places to put money. And then when I did that, it was like, oh, I have the money. I have access to it. Now I can start investing in deals and creating cash flow. Okay, there's a whole lot to unpack there. Um, <laughs> there's there's also something I want to cover because I saw it on the one page we got sent was uh, how much you dislike 401ks. So I am yeah. very vocal. Our equivalent here is uh, the RRSP in Canada. Yeah. And I think they are the worst thing ever invented for, for the populace. It's kind of crazy. Amen. Kind of here, 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 can I, I want to jump on that really quickly because yeah, let's early, do it because I'm going to get into this <laughs> early on in my career. I would say that, right? Because I was saying it was a struggle. You couldn't access the money. You know, there's all these potential penalties. You want it out. But here I've simplified this. So financial freedom for us is defined as passive income greater than monthly expenses. It's that simple. Like I'm just saying right now, you can, you're riding down the road and you want to know how close you are to financial freedom. Just just, you know, in your head, say, how much passive income do I have? All right. You got the number. Divide that by how much in monthly expenses you have. Whatever that number, whatever that ratio is, you know how close you are. So if I have a thousand a month of passive income and I have 10,000 a month in expenses, I'm 10% of the way there. Okay, great. I get that. It, the 401ks and everything else confuse the issue because we get into how much money do I have? But then I don't know how much money does that mean I can produce. But here's what I tell people all the time mm -hmm. is that... Uh, if you know, we're, none of us are 59 and a half in our world, it, you have to be 59 and a half where you can access the money for quote unquote retirement, right? And when I'm talking to somebody or one of our coaches are talking to somebody and they're in the 35, 45 year old range and they're saying, Hey, I want to become financially free. When do you want to do that, Jeff? The answer is never 14 and a half years from now, <laughs> <laughs> right? The answer is yesterday. I want to be yes. financially free yesterday. And you know, the next right answer is as soon as possible. Okay, so I don't care what your 401k's return is. I don't care what the match is or your RSP or whatever the thing. I don't care about any of it. None of that matters. If it's not producing passive income, then it is making you, it's getting you further away. It's in direct conflict with your goal. Why are you doing something that's in direct conflict with your goal? And at that point, it became much more clear to me because I used to argue about return, access to money, all the penalties, all the fees. That doesn't matter. That's that's noise. Is it getting you closer to, or is it getting you further from financial freedom? And when I, people started hearing that, man, they started jumping off the Titanic. They were like, oh, wow, I want out of this thing because it was so clear for them now. It didn't matter that all their friends and all the people that they were around in their workplace was doing it, and they didn't want to feel awkward. They knew, here's my goal. This is in direct conflict to my goal. Especially with all the stuff that's going on lately. What is it like a 25, 30% drop in our, uh, sorry, 401ks over the last year, year and a bit. It's yeah. insane. You have no control over it unless you really understand how to use registered investments, but who's got the time to do that until they figure out somebody who's actually going to show them how to do it. So when people are in that situation where they've got these registered funds that they can't access without, you know, massive penalties, what do you, what's the first thing you tell them? <laughs> Well, 
I go through that conversation, right? So I, I'm no longer an investment advisor, so I can't tell them where to invest money or or what should they get out of. That would be illegal for me. So I, don't, I try to I try not to break the law, you know, unless they're not looking when I'm driving, right? I do that from time to time. Um, but no, I well, we we go through that conversation, Jeff. We want to talk about like, is it you know what are, where are, where are the places that you're sending money out of your control and how is it working? Is it getting you closer to or further from? And the door, the ideas flow from them, right? Like when you said penalties, we actually did a podcast recently on uh, what's the penalty of your IRA. And and it was, the thought came from me because I was at the gym working out and a friend of mine, we were talking, he said, hey, I just want to tell you, I got all my money out of my non-qualified plans. That's the, you know, all the things that are not within uh, the 401ks <laughs> or IRAs or whatever. And I was like, good for you, man. Uh why did you just say not qualified? What about the qualified stuff? And he goes, oh, well, you know, I can't touch that because, you know, I'd have penalties. So we did a whole podcast on what is the penalties associated? Because in our in the U.S., it's a 10 percent penalty if you access the money prior to 59 and a half. And I was like, OK, so what are you doing with the other money right now? And we were talking about land flipping a second ago, and uh, he's actually participating in the same program I am. And he's like, I'm putting the money in this land flipping done for you model. I was like, cool. Just ballpark for me. What's the returns on it? He goes, oh, man, they're dumb. What, like 60, 70 percent? I was like, well, (laughs) let's just say they were 50 percent. He goes, "Okay, that's cool. That's that's conservative. And I was like, "Okay, so uh, how much is it costing you to have money in a qualified plan then? He goes, what do you mean? I was like, well, you can't invest in this deal. So what's the penalty? Just ballpark for me. You said 50% return. There's your answer. And he's like, I I never considered that. I never considered the penalty of keeping it in was the penalty of what I couldn't use it to do. I was like, exactly. And then I don't know about, again, in Canada, but in the US, the former Comptroller of General of the United States, a guy named David Walker, wrote a book. And in the book, he said, taxes are going to double in the future because of one four-letter word. What do you guys think that four-letter word was? I have no idea. Any guess, Jonathan? No. Math. No. <laughs> <laughs> Math. Right? In, in the U.S., everybody's like, dad. You know, like, oh, dad, that, that has to be it, right? Because, well, we're, we're in $32 trillion in, in, in national debt here. And the only way that they're going to be able to pay for the debt is increasing the revenue, which is taxation. And so he says the only way our country is not going to go bankrupt, which a lot of people think is still going to go bankrupt, is they're going to have to keep raising the revenue, the taxes, in order to keep up with it. So it means he's the guy that was doing the book, basically the CPA for the United States says tax rates are going to have to double because of math. I mean, he's just looking at the balance sheet. It's just, it's non-emotional, non-political. It's just a statement of fact. So I, here I am talking to a guy that's in a 35% tax bracket. I'm like, well, what if tax rates are 70 when you go to access this money? How does that make you feel? Oh, that mm-hmm. couldn't happen. Yeah. Go ask a couple of people over in Europe about that. Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, that, that, that exists and, and we don't, we don't consider that. So what is it costing us? Cost is what we can use the money for. Cost is what potential tax rate is going to be. Those are just a couple of thoughts on it. Well, well that's that's, kind of sorry, go ahead, JT. I was just going to say that that's one of the big things is, is everyone looks at, everyone looks at, Hey, what's the cost? They don't look at what's the opportunity cost. What are you really missing out on by? Yeah. 
analyze the entire situation, not one thing in isolation. It costs this much. Okay, great. If it was here, what would you be making? Does that exceed what you what you've got? And it, and back to what you're saying about about just the equity in the house. It's the same thing. If you're sitting there and you're able to get the money at 5%, but can make 10% on it going, that's free money. That's a free 5%. Yeah. We, we listened to a, um, a podcast episode recently, Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad and Cashflow Quadrant and many others. He was talking about how he was a billionaire in debt, right? <laughs> and, and And he was saying that paying off debt was dumb. And now he's not advocating for us to all go get, you know, fancy new boats and cars, right? What he's saying is that he's figured out how to buy assets by using other people's money and for those assets to outperform what it costs on the money. And, mm-hmm. and the easiest way to think about that is if you had a cash machine plugged into the wall and electric electricity to run the cash machine was $1,000 a month, and it was producing more than a thousand dollars a month. Let's just say two thousand a month. When would you ever unplug the machine? Never. <laughs> yeah, it would be dumb, right? That's an obvious answer, but people don't think about that. One, because they're not financially educated. So financially un- unfinancially educated people probably should not follow any of this advice. They should just, you know, go back to what they were doing. But for those who are listening to your podcast, clearly wanting to be financially educated, if they're not already. They're going to learn ways. They're going to far exceed what it costs them to operate in that fashion, which will then accelerate their path to becoming financially free if they do it wisely. I love how simple you break this down because one of the biggest challenges I'm sure you experience this at points in your career is kind of the deprogramming of people, um, especially when it comes to a house and using debt versus paying off the house or or definitely the registered accounts. I mean, the government spent millions of dollars in advertising back in the 70s and 80s to make RRSPs the, the alternative to having a pension. And sure. I think that's the best tax savings plan that uh, our government's ever had because they're like 50% if you take them out early uh, in taxation. Otherwise, you have to melt them down. It's But you're also taxing people in a much higher tax bracket than when they originally put the money in there. The, one of the things I, I, I like, at least in Canada, I don't know how it is for you guys, but if you're in your thirties or twenties contributing to a, an RSP, unless it's company contributed, that's different math. But if you're doing that, you're in a lower tax bracket, most likely than you will be in your sixties when you're trying to take it out, but you're still getting taxed at that rate when you are are taking it out. It's a big difference. It's a lot of money that you don't have to be giving up if you're educated enough to look at other ways to do it. Yeah. So what are you, what are your favorite ways to make passive income? I know we're covering the, the, the raw land a little bit. Are there other ways that you look at as well? Yeah. So again, I always go back to please don't follow what I'm doing just because it's working for me. Um, I would point you to um, our, our website. Our company has built a tool called the Investor DNA. It's basically a blend between like a social profiling and then some of the top ways, at least in the U.S., that people are building passive income. And then what we do is match those two together. So we look at the pros, we look at the cons, we look at the key factors involved. So that way people have a better idea because the the easy thing or the hard thing to do is that there's there's hundreds of different options, right? There really are hundreds of different options and we can get like the the lion, you know, the lion's tamed by the, the guy holding a stool with four legs, a whip and looking like Indiana Jones. And we're all like, why is that possible? Like, why doesn't that tiger just maul that dude? Right. And sit on the, <laughs> you know, sit on the stool looking at him afterwards. 
Well, it's because the lion's brain is so simplified where he sees the four legs of the stool. He sees the, the lion tamer and sees the whip. There's six different hazards, six different threats. And he doesn't know how to attack each one of them at the same time. So he does nothing. Well, that's what happens to people, right? They look at all the different investment options and they, they're they frozen, they're paralyzed. And so they do nothing. So what we try to do is use a tool like that to narrow it down to two. So then you can go deep, right? So when I did that for me, my investor profile said, I like action. I like involvement. I like businesses. I, I like to be able to share. Those are things for me. So if it has... If it's steady and stable, I'm probably not interested in it. That's just not something that's interesting to me, right? Unless I can make it a business and I can use other people's money to grow it. Now that gets a little bit interesting. That's the way that I can do it separately. So for it's us, like, go ahead. Sorry, it's kind of like a Myers Briggs for investors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's amazing. Have, <laughs> yeah, so and again, we, we're we're always trying to innovate, trying to figure out how to to utilize something to make it simpler for people. And every single month, we actually publish our own personal passive income report. And if you're oh, wow. following our, our podcast, you'll, you'll, you, can, you can see that. You can go on our website and scroll to the bottom. You can hit the passive income report. And you Throw can that plug see. out there now what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Throw uh, the plug. All, where can they go? Yeah. I, all the things. If you want to go to wealthwaltwallstreet.com, um, you can actually uh, see our passive income report. Let's see. There's a short link to that. And I forget what it is, guys. I apologize for doing this on the air, but I'll scroll to the bottom. I'll click <laughs> passive income report. And it says, so it's wealthwaltwallstreet.com forward slash passive hyphen income. There you go. Simple enough, right? <laughs> and you can actually look at the things that we we do on a monthly basis and publish. So uh, so this year, our net income uh, and our passive income activities is a little over 400000 Last month in September of 2022, uh, when we published it, we were at 65000 for the month. And so some of the things that we personally um, utilize, we do the land flipping. I uh, love, love the land flipping stuff. And we got to know Mark Podolsky personally. I've done a lot with him, involved in a, a passive income mastermind business with him. We also yeah. love this. Go ahead. I was just going to yeah, give a shout out to Mark there because he was on the show back, uh, I believe, last winter. And he's he actually endorsed you on the one pager that we had. So it was great to see that. And oh, cool. That Man, working with him. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I'll have to tip him even more for that then. That's good. To know. <laughs> <laughs> it, quick, quick story about him. And we were we interviewed him on our podcast in 20, 2019. Interesting guy, interesting concept, but just like everything else, you know, just timing was not right for us for whatever reason. Um, almost a year goes by and we're assessing our podcast stats and realize his podcast had been downloaded twice as much as any other podcast we had. We're like, huh. I mean, we're not bright guys. We're from Alabama, but we should probably have this guy back on. <laughs> so we had him come back on the podcast and he was sharing what he was doing and we're like, this is fascinating. We got to do this. And so we got involved with him at the beginning of 2020. And it's just been amazing. And I, I meet people from all over the world. I just was, we speak at his event once a quarter. And I, I was just at an event. There was friends of ours from Canada that were there. There was some, some guys from uh, Germany that, I mean, people come from all over and they're utilizing this concept. Now, I think it works in the US, but there are investors all over the world that are doing it. And so uh, we, we love that. We also use short-term rental because, uh, again, that's a, a, a space that we can get involved in and we can create a business. So my business partner and I started this 
in uh, the middle of COVID in 2020. Great time to start a business and had no idea what we were doing. But we know that uh, we had interviewed several people that have, were having a lot of success in it, saw some of the, the things that we thought we could uh, grow and expand upon. And we hired an operator, put him in place, paid 20 something thousand dollars for him to get trained on how to do this. And we grew to 18 units in 12 months. And now we operate right about 30 units and they're all in Birmingham, which is not a major vacation town, as you might imagine. And we, we just <laughs> deal with basic travel, man. And, it, and and we're just an alternative to the hotel market. And I, and it, I that's can't say I've thing. ever heard anybody say uh, we're going on vacation to Birmingham. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> happen. Right. But what does happen is crazy. And I'm sure it's the same way where you guys are. There's travel ball. Right. There's travel for everything. Soccer, baseball, mm. football, lacrosse, tennis, swimming, you name it. Well, every decent sized town, Birmingham's a million, um, you know, metro. We're one of the bigger towns in the south. And so we, we get a lot of travel ball and we started seeing families coming. So we started expanding our, our units to be able to be near those parks. And I mm. mean, you know, for about nine, nine months out of the year, those different complexes are constantly circling people through and it's a different sport, but it doesn't matter. And, and so we, we get a lot of that. We've been known for the hospital industry here, a lot of major hospitals. So we get a lot of people coming in, in and out of hospitals. Uh, people that are coming to service those universities and hospitals get a lot of business travel. And, uh, you know, it's a half, it's a have to, not a want to necessarily. Right. And it's a and big it, city though. Yeah. It, it's fairly big. Again, a million uh, Metro is, is, I don't know what a, what equivalent city in Canada would be, but you probably know. So. A million, probably Ottawa. Somewhere. No, no, Ottawa. So, no, I don't think Ottawa's quite that big. Probably. I think Hamilton nowadays, but. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Um, So I'm having a little troubles, not troubles. I want to know more specifically what you do, because you say you're not uh, 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 an investment advisor anymore. How is it that you work with folks and and produce income through the company? Yeah, so we have uh, multiple different facets where we can operate with people. So one, most of the time people come to us through a free call and they get on the call with us. And they're telling us what it is that they're trying to accomplish and, and why that's important. And then we will go deeper. We, we have a thing we call our right next thing. And we, we go through five different categories, five different pillars that are breaking down both strategy and planning, infinite banking, passive income, tax strategy, as well as structures and planning. And for those that we can help, normally we're going to do some one-on-one coaching with them. So that's one way that, that people can opt in. No matter where they are in the world, we can we can help them with that. And we will plug them typically into one of our mastermind groups initially just to give them exposure to other people who are doing what they want to do. And um, so we have groups, we have courses, we, we do help people set up the infinite banking uh, system for those who are in the U.S. If they're in Canada, we have partners that we will connect them to in there. And then we have all sort of resources and people within the passive income space that we connect people in. And then our, our last one is our passive income mastermind. We run a passive income mastermind. We have uh, people out of Canada that, that are part of it. And so this is for people who usually solve the money problem. They're just trying to solve the time problem now. And so mm-hmm. we, we, we get them in a group. We meet twice a month, uh, virtually twice, uh, twice a year live. And we're, we're helping them see what the opportunities are and how to do it and, and how to scale to a level that's 200% of their monthly expenses, because we want to think well past what our needs are. We want to think into a hundred years into the future. How do we, how do we set the next generations up? 
Now, in the, I, these situations, sorry, uh, are people in a situation where they've got to have a ton of extra cash to, to get started here? Or could it be someone who's struggling month to month to make ends meet? Yeah, uh, well, it depends, right, uh, Jonathan? So the, we, we get a lot of people that would say I'm struggling month to month, but that could mean a lot of different things, yeah, right? Yeah. I, I know a guy that makes two and a half million dollars a year that struggles month to month, right? It, it, he just spends what he makes. And yes. I, I think that that's the case a lot of places. So our, our goal is to help them see where money's going, what's going into their control, what's going out of their control, help them uncover where money's stuck that maybe they didn't, you know, there's people all the time that would say, man, I don't have any money. But when they look at where their money is, it, they're saying that because they don't have access to it. And when they can figure out how to free it up. But also, here's the key, man. One introduction to someone that that maybe is in our side of our community that could show you how to buy real estate without ever having to have credit or any down payments. Now, now that's that's interesting, right? Like sorry, we bought sorry, a house. Say that again. <laughs> yeah, we, we bought a house um, in January of 2022, so we're almost a year out from that. We bought a house without getting a mortgage, without any down payments. We used a concept called subject to, where we actually bought the house, took over the mortgage of the previous owner, so we didn't have to get a mortgage; had to put our credit on the line, right? And so we were able to flip that house. We ultimately made about 35,000 off the deal. We were, our original goal was to turn it into a short-term rental like venue and the neighborhood and the city revolted on us. So we had to like switch gears on that, but there's ways to do really interesting things, right? So it's the person who wants to, we figure out with them, what is the best avenue, right? And it may be, there are some people that are just purely going to take cash and turn it into cash flow. But a lot of times people are trying to figure out how to do it and it's not uninvolved to start off with, but ultimately they get it to where it starts to become more passive. That's really interesting. I'm all about understanding how to get over that initial hump because a lot of people are working now two jobs or the era of the Mick job. And it's it's really hard to get ahead when you're doing that. And these are people who used to be, you know, nurses and teachers and stuff, all the cutbacks and all that jazz. They end up working at the corner store. Um, so I, I love that there's somebody out there showing those techniques. I always love when you see uh, who is it um, wrote the one minute millionaire, um, David, uh, Robert Allen. And and he did the challenge where he could drop him off in any city and he'd have a house within like 24 hours. It was always, it, it was crazy to me because he'd be like, give me no money. And now I think they're doing it with like Grant Cardone and the undercover billionaire and all that jazz because certainly see those ads enough. But <laughs> but uh, it, it's it's kind of crazy that, you know, one of the things I tend to see most with the people that we interview is they they pick one thing and stick with it till they master it. Are you a fan of that? Or do you believe that people can really multitask when they're learning? No, I, I agree hundred percent with that. There, there's so many studies that say that we cannot multitask, right? We just do two things poorly, or we're actually doing one thing poorly because this other thing's running off to the side, even though we're not touching it. And I, I do think people have made their money in one thing. And then once they get to a certain level with that one thing, now they start to expand. Now they start to add different levels. So what was the thing that we did well? Like we built a lot of cash using the concept of infinite banking. And we did that for a number of years. So I started stacking cash in 2009 to that concept and did that 
for six years before I really started doing other things, right? So for me, in our business, it was building that one business and helping people um, do that well. And then we started looking for opportunities. And then we just, we had cash. And so then we could plug into different things. Now, some people would say I'm still a little bit scattered. So if you look at it, my business partner has five kids. I have four. We we, we make the joke that we have more LLCs than we have kids, which is a lot. And, and so we're involved in a lot of different things. But also we, we tend to just be CEO, you know, but always finding operators, finding people who are running the businesses who are already excellent and just plugging into that, right? Giving giving capital, but giving maybe insight to certain that they're missing. That's the added value that we can do, which is allowing them to grow and scale, which allows us to just, you know, utilize some of their giftings. So can you break down the infinite banking? I know we, we started there and we kind of went off in a little bit, uh, a couple other directions, and we didn't really get into how the the, the mechanics of that work. Yeah, totally. Um, so what you do with infinite banking is that you're going to design a dividend paying whole life insurance policy. And now I know in Canada and the U.S., the rules are a little bit differently, but I do know that they, they have a lot of similarities. So I won't speak to exactly you guys' rules. Okay. So, you know, find a, uh, a guy in your area and you can go to um, the, what is the website? It's infinitebanking.org. And they actually have a practitioner finder on there. And you can look up in your area who's a practitioner who knows this and practices this personally so that you can reach out to them. And, and I, I know several different people in the Canada area. If you if you um, join our community or something, I can uh, give you those direct names. But so the way that you do is that you set up an insurance policy, but you're not setting it up for the death benefit, Jeff. A lot of times we buy things like Walmart shoppers, right? Like we want to put in as little as possible and get as much for it as we can. And that's the way we've always bought insurance or we're told to buy insurance. But the is opposite true in the infinite banking world. We're actually trying to put in as much cash as we can and buy the smallest death benefit that the insurance company and in the US, the government will allow us to do, right? So the best insurance policy I could possibly own, this isn't available, is I put a million dollars in that give me a $1 death benefit. Right. Because the, the cost of the one dollar would be minimal. But yet if it gave me all of the uh, protections that the life insurance gave me with all the guarantees and all the other things. Now, that would be amazing. Well, so what we do is we design it for cash, not for death benefit. So once we design that insurance policy for cash, we're going to shove money in sometimes in a lump sum on the front end and then some sort of ongoing basis. It could be monthly, it could be quarterly, it could be annually. Right. And whenever we put money in, that money is going to just add to my cash basis, how much cash is in there. So then we use that cash as the tool to go buy investments. Now you're going to say, well, how much can you borrow? Well, it's just like your checking account. You can borrow against how much money's in there, right? So if I had 100,000 of cash value in there, I can borrow up to 100,000. I can't get a 500,000, right? <laughs> I can only get 100. So what we what we do is we set up systems to where we get as much cash going in there as possible so that way for my land flipping business, I borrow against that 100,000 for instance, just using that number, I go buy the properties. Now the notes that come from that come cycling back into paying back the loans that I borrowed the money from the insurance company. And any extra I can add as cash on top of that which compounds my growth. Now, you guys already know I'm I'm weird. I'm from Alabama, have a strange accent, but I have 26 whole life policies personally. 
Now, not all, all of me. Um, I have like seven on me, like four or five on my wife. I have four kids. I've insured them twice. I have business partners. I have investment partners. I have former employees. We've bought insurance on all of these people. And, and I'm not original, by the way. The big banks in the U.S., I don't, again, I don't follow Canada, so I don't know if it's the same there. But all the major corporations, all the major banks in the U.S. have been doing this for years. They've been buying insurance on their key employees and stuffing cash. Wells Fargo, which is one of the major banks in the U.S., has over $22 billion in cash value life insurance. So what we do is we're just following the same approach that they've done. So now we have a, a storage place for our cash that grows no matter what, that doesn't go down with the market, is not taxable. So my growth is not subject to taxation. And I always can borrow against it. There is no requirements like for you guys in the mortgage industry where you have to fill out a bunch of Mickey Mouse paperwork, prove that you can pay it back. 100% of the time, I can borrow. The only questions they give me is how much do you want and where do you want me to send it? Wow. Okay. So I know everybody's thinking, well, maybe not everybody's thinking like this, but what are the rates to borrow at? Because rates are getting crazy right now with all sorts of different areas. All right. Well, they, several different answers to that, but I'm going to give you the one that really matters. <laughs> it it doesn't matter. <laughs> it, it does. Oh, wow. Matter. I like it. <laughs> it. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. And Interest rates are a, another function of the way Wall Street and Bay Street work, right? It's a it, it plays tricks on our minds and makes us think that oh, I should follow like people would come to you in the mortgage world and say, "What's the rate?" Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the rate is probably the least important question you should ask. What are all the other terms? Yeah. Right? Like the rate. I I was with. I'm going to tell you. I'm a long way to answer this question though is I was with a group of investors who were needing private money. And I was like, okay, give me, give me all the things that you want. And they listed out all the things. They said, low rate. I go, okay, great. Here's the deal. Um, I'll, I'll let, I'll lend you money at 5%. And they're like, 5%, that'd be great. Right. Cause they're borrowing money at 20%. <laughs> and they're like 5%. I'll do that all day long. I go, but yet you got to pay me weekly. And they're like, Ooh, no, I don't no, I don't like that idea. Because their deal flow obviously is not weekly. It's mm -hmm. annually, sometimes every three years, every time, every five years. And I go, okay, well, the other terms I'll give you is 50%, but you pay me after five years on the balloon. And they go, oh, I can structure the deal to work that way. Like, I mean, so it's not interest rate. rate. Rates are not important. It's about the term. So we've been borrowing money against these insurance contracts anywhere between three and a half and 5% for the last 12 years. They're still at that rate, by the way. Uh, but what we will wow. see is as time goes on, interest companies are slow moving. They're slow moving toward, you know, because they're mm -hmm. dealing with 30 years worth of interest rates. And, and so just one spike in interest rate today is not going to offset 29 years of interest rates, right? So they will slowly tick up. But when we borrow money, we borrow money from companies in the U.S. that are mutually owned, meaning they're only owned by the policyholders. So the the policyholders are the ones who get the dividends, who get the profits of the company. So if interest rates go from 5% to 20%, what do you think happens to the profitability of the insurance company? Goes down or goes up? It's going up. Yeah. And I'm, a, I'm an owner of the insurance company. <laughs> <laughs> do you see what's happened to my profitability, right? So it, it really doesn't matter in the fact, in that fact of what's, what interest rates are. They're always going to be a little bit less than what you're seeing at the banks. And more importantly, I don't, I'm not subject to having to pay it back. So I borrowed money 
with non-structured loans. So I don't have to make monthly payments and I have to make annual payments. I can, if I don't, they just capitalize that interest on top of the balance. <laughs> wow. I'm kind of speechless after that. That's that's yeah, fascinating. It, it, it definitely <laughs> is. I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about insurance, but no one broke it down that way as far as how really to use it effectively. Um, and then... And then when you're taking that money out, that's obviously where you, you you then take it a step further with the investor DNA and then from the investor DNA, help them understand, you know, different people that they go to, to, to help them in those areas. Yeah. It, it's just a tool, right? Like I used to not understand that because I was trying to run away from Wall Street so fast. I thought, oh, this is the alternative. I'm going to stuff money in these life insurance policies, show people how to do this. They're going to save more money than they would have ever saved. It's not going to ever go down in value. You're not going to have these 30% lost days or months or years or what decades, right? And, and they're going to win. That's what I thought. And I, I was thinking that it was the end. But as time went on, I realized it wasn't the end. It was the means to an end. It was mm -hmm. part of the journey. It was just another tool that they needed. They needed to become better investors as well, right? They needed to find assets that could create passive income. This was going to be the tool that was going to be the place that they stored cash that they could go buy the asset. But then the same way, whenever they sell assets, right? I just got off a phone call with a guy that, that sold a uh, business for a couple million dollars. And I'm like, good for you. Where's your money? He's like, in cash. I was like, how's that feel? Bad, right? <laughs> well, well, the ideal scenario was we would have met five years ago and we would have built a system up to where he would have been borrowing against his life insurance policies, building up a, you know, a couple million dollar loan against it, right? So when he sold his business, he would have dumped that, that cash right in there and repaid those loans. Mm -hmm. He would have had a, a storage place for that cash, right? And, and he would have just had to carry the interest for the few years that he had it. Like That's the thing that I'm thinking about with the number of businesses that we have if we're going to sell our businesses for $50 million in the next 10 years, I need to have $50 million in loans against my life insurance contracts in order to, to handle the cash. And that makes and you think a little bit differently. And that makes it more tax, obviously, well, like non-taxable, I would, I would imagine where you guys are. Well, if you're again, paying off with that, I, I, I can't give a tax advice because I'm not a CPA either. Right. Um, but <laughs> there, there are ways to do things. Right. You just you pay the people that that know how to do all of that stuff or you get into a community with people that that you can get connected to. So, no, <laughs> <laughs> if you're only listening to this, you're not going to get the visual joke. Um, <laughs> We're coming up to the end of our hour here, Russ, but this has been fascinating. I do love you have you are in a lot of places, but they you can certainly see the 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 connecting line between all of them. And I love that there's a, a way to walk people along that line because let's face it, uh, and it's not to patronize people, but when people come in to to first learning about all of this stuff, and even once they've learned to a certain degree, there's a lot of stubbornness to them. And it's just trying to get out the old ideas. But you, if you can show them the next step, they're eager to learn once their their mind is open. So it's really cool to see somebody doing that. What um, what would you like to tell somebody if they're listening to this today to help them take some action right after this? Yeah, I, I'll give you two things. How about this? I, I love giving Ooh, um, more a simple value. thing. Yeah, <laughs> hey, I'm going to give you a YouTube video. And it's not mine, by the way, uh, but it, it goes into... Like a lot of times people beat themselves up and they say, man, 
I wish I would have learned all the uh, these ideas two years ago, five years ago, 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I tried to figure out why they didn't learn it. Why was it so easy for the two of you guys? Like, how is it that Jonathan and Jeff have all this information? Why isn't I figured this out? <laughs> well, there's a YouTube video out there called The Backwards Bicycle. You, t- you guys ever watched this before? Seven minutes. No, no. It's a great video, though. We explain this phenomenon of why we don't know this stuff and why it's so hard for us to learn it. I won't, I won't steal it from you. But the, the basic concept is, is that when uh, this guy rode a bicycle, he had these engineers that built it for him. Whenever they turned the wheel to the left, the or turned the steering wheel to the left, the, the the wheel went to the right, and vice versa. And he tried to learn how to to ride a bike. We've always heard the saying, "Oh, it's just as easy as riding a bike." Well, it's not when it's in reverse. So that process is what keeps us stuck. So once you know that, you can go, okay, I can quit beating myself up. And secondly, I'm going to send you to um, a website, wealthwaltwallstreet.com forward slash guide to the grind. Sound familiar? Wow, I I feel special. There's a custom page for us. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah, there is, man. And and, and what what we want to do is uh, it has you guys' cool logo on there as well, but you go on there and it... You can do one of many things. You can choose which path you want to go in and um, you can get involved in our community and, and get involved into what we're doing. And so we, we make that available to everyone to, to be able to check out and there, there's links to connect with us and all that stuff on that page. So we'd love to just send you there and any way that we can support you on your journey. That's our bigger goal. And my business partner and I love this because we get to help a lot of people. I was talking to my nine-year-old son, I guess 10-year-old son, he turned 10 on Sunday. And he's telling me, Dad, I, I just want to help more people who who want to be able to go on vacations, who want to spend time with their kids like you do. And I'm like, man, that's the best sales line I've ever heard. Like, let's start <laughs> repeating that more often. It is amazing because kids have the ability to speak right to the heart of things, isn't it? Totally. Wow. Um, I, I don't even know what to say after that. I have like a page and a half of notes. Uh, so thank you for that. I've enjoyed learning from you as well. I, I you know, sometimes you get on here and, and a lot of the information can get a little bit stale. That's why I love somebody like you comes on and my mind is completely blown. I know Jonathan and I'll be talking for a half an hour after this, just trying to dissect all the things we've learned. And I don't often go back and listen to these, but I'm going to go back and listen to one of the, uh, to this one again. I appreciate your time, Russ. It's been fascinating learning what you do and, and how you do it and why you do it. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, we and do I, too. Very much. Sorry, go thanks ahead, a lot. I mean, I've, I've, I've actually been, I mean, I'm usually more quiet than Jeff. I mean, I'm not going to try and pretend that, but I'm more <laughs> quiet than usual just because I'm sitting there going, okay, my mind's going, all right, this is just, I'm a little bit of a lot of information coming in here. Let's just process what's happening because this is, it's been incredible. So thanks a lot. Yeah, no worries. No, I, I appreciate it. So uh, thank you very much for listening. We certainly appreciate your time to uh, to make it to the end of this because uh, there was definitely a lot here. Uh, you heard Russ say that you can go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash guide to the grind. Again, thank you, Russ, for all your time. And uh, Jonathan, thank you very little. I appreciate you as well. <laughs> Uh, if you want to know more about what we're doing, you can certainly go to guide to the grind.com. Find out what we're doing. If you're a realtor, a mortgage broker, or a homeowner, or sorry, a mortgage agent, uh, or a homeowner, we have something for you there. Have a great time and or have a great day, and we will see you next time. Thanks so much.